This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth clothing for all types of weather. For all kinds of terrain, for all kinds of budgets, clothing that works. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Man, we are back from deer camp and I uh, can't wait uh, to record a podcast uh, about that. We are uh, going to have someone who was there last year as well as one of the new guys on to talk about that. Uh, that'll be next week's podcast, I believe, trying to get everything together. Um, already a week plus almost two weeks into the season and uh what uh for me the the season has been you know basically all deer camp um i went out tonight and uh just wasn't feeling it there after spending so much time in the woods and uh seeing you know all the buck sign deer sign everything that's uh kind of going on in the woods right now uh tonight's sit just it just wasn't there so uh did did some scouting i got set up and got right down and and uh tried to go find a, a spot that uh, had a little higher likelihood of success i was going to do an observation sit but uh wasn't feeling it um last night uh frank did shoot a doe uh poorly uh tracked that basically all day today uh and did recover that deer so uh he was super pumped and uh it was fun uh did some deer tracking at deer camp we'll we'll get into that uh congratulations to the guys that have been laying down the deer um you know up at deer camp uh Kyle Gensler first deer uh with a with a buck on the buck pool um first deer with a vertical bow um Tyler shot a couple uh Matt and uh then Dave, who uh, was planning on headed up to deer camp, um, had some family stuff come up, stayed home, and shot a great deer uh, back home. Uh, just was messaging with Carl in Minnesota. He he shot a doe on his uh, South Dakota trip. So, you know, for all you guys in the Patreon and that are out there, uh, share your successes with us so we can 
we can give you your your due your congrats um new patreon chad um uh, he's in my phone as uh trad chad duke i think his last name's uh dukowitz but uh anyway he's the guy i bought my longbow from hunted with that uh the entire uh, patreon hunt so uh we're gonna kill something with that this year that's that's gonna happen um didn't take it out tonight because of the rain and the feathers but uh definitely definitely gonna be trying to kill something with that here uh before we get uh, too far into the season so um the patreon hunt oh my gosh awesome can't wait to tell you about it uh big shout out to to redline wilderness athlete um the zinger and kanadi guys uh over there for for hooking us up with a bunch of stuff uh kevin leach from latitude stopped by dropped off a set of sticks for us to give away um just you know when i say that we work with partners um that will give back to uh, our community, not just to us. Uh, we really mean it. You know, these guys, you know, they support the show and it allows us to do stuff like this. And, uh, it, it, it really does keep me going and doing this because, um, the amount of, uh, you know, thanks and smiles, laughs, uh, all that from this weekend, uh, was incredible. Um, and I can't thank them enough. So, uh, and, and the Marco Polo group, you know, I say this every time, but if you're a patron and you're not in there, um, it, it really allows us to kind of interact and have the, have a deer camp kind of all year round. So when you get there, it's like, it's not like strangers. It's like you're with family again. And, uh, that wasn't, uh, uh any more, couldn't have been any more apparent than this year, uh, with some of the guys showing up. So Definitely check out the Marco Polo group if you're interested in Patreon. Uh, we will be announcing the giveaway winners for the quarter um, Thursday this week. So we'll get over on Instagram and uh, chit-chat and uh, kind of do those giveaways. Uh, the the Huntworth stuff they were giving away for this quarter, the Casper uh, Heat Boost uh, base layers. I hunted with those and the Elkins vest uh, this weekend, which which they're giving away. And uh, in the rain, uh, got completely soaked through uh, just getting out to the stand before I even put the rain jacket on. It wasn't supposed to rain. Uh, did. Uh, but that heat boost, that those layers, um, being synthetic and, and whatever they're made out of, that graphene or whatever, uh, acted quite a bit like merino wool. So that was super interesting to me where – I know I was soaked through, but I was still warm. And uh, I thought that that, I wasn't aware of those properties in that. So I uh, just thought I'd pass that along. That's what we're giving away for um, for the quarter this time. So um, anyways, this podcast with uh, Kevin Vistason, he had his deer camp uh, the same week weekend as we did. Um, we recorded this prior to, to head it up to deer camp. And uh, Kevin had just launched his DH. Uh, three product for um, mock scrapes and kind of like a deer attractant type uh, type deal. Um, and we talk about uh, him hitting uh, new woods and, and how he's setting up these scrapes, uh, what he's looking for for success, um, as well as uh, some deer camp talk and just kind of going into the season with some goals and stuff like that. So um, definitely 
like I said, with uh, looking for buck sign, all of that sort of stuff, seeing where these deer are, um, this podcast will definitely help if you're if you're trying to target those scrape scrape areas and uh, learning where to scout and uh, what to look for. So, um, so yeah, I think this one will be definitely helpful going going forward through the season for you guys. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast, talking with uh, the man behind the Deer Hunter podcast, Kevin Vistason, um, uprooted from the annals of Detroit to the wild woods up in northern Michigan now. Uh, how's that gone for you, Kevin? What, what, what's it like? Like, talk about a culture shock, right? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, man. I love it. I thought often about what it would, what kind of job offer would have to come in, dollar amount that it would be to get me to move back downstate into a big major metropolitan area. And I like the course that I'm on right now. I have a hard time envisioning wanting to do that. I just, live where people vacation now and i want i was a little bit concerned about that you know vacation special because you get a couple days to do what you normally don't do but if you spend all your time there does it turn into your normal and i I was pleasantly surprised to find out that like oh wow my normal is even better than my vacations were because i got all this time to do all this stuff now so yeah dude i'm I, i feel fortunate I'm really loving it. the The leaves are the trees are all turning right now. Like fall comes a couple weeks earlier up here, so every day right now the trees look a little different. And who to say that I'm excited is an understatement. I have access to a lot of hunting that I haven't, you know, whatever four hour drive historically for me three four hour drive to hunt the kind of areas that i like to hunt and now i can do that in well i could frankly ride my mountain bike from my house and hit a piece and do some quality deer hunting so and then outside of that i have millions of acres at my disposal so kids are all good and just to finalize because it's important to the whole family the kids everybody's happy and adapting well and healthy and it's been it's been really good man i recommend it 10 out of 10 yeah so i mean yeah your kids are young enough that it didn't affect their schoolwork. it didn't affect their friends really um you know it's kind of like a it was a good time to get out right yeah yeah it was either do it now or wait until the kids were out of school and we decided that life's kind of short lost my grandfather this year who seemed like he was pretty invincible you know he's cutting firewood and jumping out of trucks at the age of 91 so you look at him and you're just like damn man you can really crank it out for a long time and then two years later he passes away it's like okay that's not the reality like time catches up with you you got limited time so do we really want to wait, you know, 15 to 20 years right now to make this move? Or do we want to try to just do it now while our kids are young enough? And we opted for that. And so far, it seems like it's been the right move. Hell yeah, man. So historically, yeah. you've you've said, um, you know, you're not hunting out of state. 
Um, and we've had conversations a lot about the yeah, way that you get, you, you gave me shit about hunting with my slug gun up North, dude. I will not forget that. I'm like, I can't believe somebody brought that up. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's where I'm going with this. Like, so, you know, I would say that, you know, for, because I, and I have to imagine that it's because of like where you lived and like, I know, like, I know guys that live and have hunted shotgun their whole life. And there's like, you know, the rifle line is a real thing. Like if it happens north of the rifle line, like it's like a different zip code. It's like, there's no yep. rules above the rifle line. Uh, we won't get into the, that part of Michigan hunting, but the bridge, uh, <laughs> yeah. the bridge was always our, what happens north of the Zilwaukee. <laughs> so with, with that, like you, you, you typically are Michigan only um, a lot of, tradition everything like with with gun hunting and all of that uh but you you know you you hunt the whole season you you love hunting with a bow all that stuff so what does your season like have in store and how has it changed since you've moved up there well it'll be kind of interesting in this retrospect right we my parents lived 15 minutes from us and my mother-in-law lived like a mile from us so we had a lot of access to help with watching kids and this and that, which gave me some flexibility that's now since been removed, right? And so we relocated, they didn't. So it's going to put some taxing on my wife, right? Like if I'm going to be successful and accomplish my goals that I want to, to get deer, it's going to take some time. So that's going to be a challenge. But other than that, it's learning new, new areas. I've, I never hunted this area prior to living here. So it was like all new topography, landscape, everything's a bit different. So a lot of it right now is just like figuring out and looking at patterns. And this will be my first deer season going into it. And I was like, man, I would really like to shoot a big deer this year. But then I was also like, well, you're going to learn a lot this year and you got some time. I mean, you always like to think you got some time, right? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I do keep that in mind, but also I don't feel a huge sense of urgency this year, but I can tell you what I'm interested in killing like a County record or a state record or doing something gnarly. And now I'm in a place where I feel like, it's just up to me to execute that like that opportunity exists as long as I just continue to learn and follow through and be what's the word I'm looking for here. Um, disciplined, be disciplined and be a little bit patient. And I'd like to shoot a really big giant deer man and there's a particular way i want to do it i don't want to i want to do it i want to do it on the same court that anybody else would have access to right i know I, the the public and private things have been beat to death and i don't care the only thing reason that i really enjoy the public is one there's so much of it and i can go all over the place but two that I'm at the same party that everybody, I feel like 
everybody else got invited to, right? Like it's not a party that only these three or four people got invited to. And if you didn't get the invite, well, sorry, you're not going to be able to participate in this. So being on the same playing field or at the same party with everybody else is kind of where I want to do it. So I have access to that now. So there's a, a couple of things in there. Like one, we'll start with this be because you're going into a new area and, you know, for our listeners, you know, my platform is kind of like built on like kind of like a new hunter or someone leveling up. So taking it to the next level. Um, and a lot of guys are making the jump from private to public. And it seems, I mean, for all of us, when we do stuff uh, like this, it ends up feeling like a new area. So you moving up to this area, what are some of the things that you looked for keyed in on? And what are some of the things that you like completely wrote off as I don't want to focus any of my time there because it is limited. Mm. Well, it's, I don't think it's unique in any capacity to any landscape, but edge edge and cover, right? Those are all the things that I'm always looking for. Big, open, mature landscapes don't typically hold deer. They'll move through them at night, but they don't spend too much time during the day. Sometimes they do, but it's almost impossible to hunt those deer because they can see you coming from a million miles away and they've picked a spot to bed where you can't get, you know, potentially under the cover of darkness, but thick cover and edge, right? So I'm always looking at that and it's like that thick cover could be a different kind of thick cover over here versus an hour away right so learning a little bit of like oh yeah okay i can see this now like this is the thick cover it's a different it's maybe some pines that all got planted after a cut right but it's a lot thicker than what's around it and that's where the deer are choosing to bed so and frankly, there's a lot more topography here as far as elevation and hills and this and that. And I hunted a lot of swamp and flat, whereas there's now I'm starting to have to learn hills and elevation. Different game, right? But fortunately, there's a just a ton of content out on that. So a lot of states are that that way. So I guess that's a the couple big things and then trying to figure out how to allocate my camera assets to get the most out of those because I'll just I just know that with a young family and working a full-time job and my wife having a full-time job is like I just can't use the old strategy that I used to use where it's like just be in the woods, right? Eventually you'll run into one. That one's not too effective for me these days cuz I can't just be in the woods. And then that whole mentality, and and if you haven't listened, uh, it goes a bit off the rails, uh, but to uh, Kevin's podcast that we did, uh, it was immediately prior to this, but it's over on his platform. Uh, we, we talked a, a little bit about this, but so for that, having that mentality of going after the state record, county record, 
whatever. Like, where does that mentality come from? Just because they're in the area and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to be able to do it. Cause I think like, even for myself and I've, I've, I've decided to manifest this for myself this year is I think by taking on the role of the world's worst bow hunter, I've given myself an out and saying that it's okay to fail. Like it's okay to not reach my goals. It's okay to, um, you know, past deer, maybe I shouldn't have different sets of goals standard. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm the world's worst bow hunter. doesn't really matter. So I don't have that mentality of like, okay, I'm just going to kill this big, the biggest deer in the land. Right. So a, where does that come from? And do you eat a tag if you're not going to kill that deer or hmm. you haven't found that deer? Great question. No, to answer that your last question, I'm going to hunt that deer, but shoot most of the ones that come in front of me before it does. And I think it's just a confidence and a patience thing that obviously giant deer are just incredibly unique, especially in an area like this, right? Like it's different all over the country but here where we are you know say you shoot 160 inch deer and you bring that to a buck pole people look at that and they're just like that looks like a completely different animal right like it just does it's less like so exponentially larger than for the most part what's roaming around in the woods so i don't know it's just i guess i want to let people know that like that's a goal of mine that's on my radar, but I'm not burning the ships to get there. Like I'm not going to miss out on kids sporting events or spend money that I don't have on gear that I think I potentially need to help me accomplish that goal. That That's important to me and it's on my radar, but it's not nearly as important to me as what's kind of going on in my day-to-day life. So I think it's it's fun and cool to have like shoot you know have this like big goals right but also be rational and reasonable about the time that it might take to achieve those and not force it and that's my thing right now is like yes i said that to you right but i didn't say when that needed to happen i didn't say that it needed to happen this season would i like for it to happen this season well i just launched a scent product so that'd be awesome if i shot the state record over it i'm not stupid but at the same point in time, I feel absolutely zero pressure. And to be honest with you, when me and you started talking, I was like, I might just shoot a spike horn this year and have the most epic photo posted online of like, you know, you know, the pose and the whole thing and I'll have the gear and everything, you know, and it just, I'm, I was I'd be curious how people would take that. You know what I mean? It's like here's a guy that has a platform and is selling products. And he's like, he couldn't possibly be proud of that tiny little deer that he shot. Right. But I was like, I don't what in what, what makes you think. And I don't want this to come off the wrong way because I do value a lot of people's opinions, but I feel like anybody that would look at that negatively towards me that I would ask them, like, why do you, why do you think I value your opinion like i have a wife and two children 
and they care more that I was here at the household throughout the day and handled my other priorities that I'm not burning the ships to go out and try to shoot a giant deer to potentially please people that don't, I don't want, I don't, I I hope that's not coming off wrong because I do value people's opinion. It is important to me. And I think it should be to anybody, right? Is like how people look at you and think of you. But at the same point in time, I don't know, man. I, what's your takeaway from that? Because I kind of maybe rambled on a little bit about that. Um, no, but like, I think I think about that. So, so there's a couple of things. Like one, uh, the initial thing is like I've wanted to do that. Like I want to shoot. I said it last year. Like I, I want to shoot a three point uh, with a trad bow, and I want to post that same picture and just get shit on by the masses. <laughs> and then I want to the next day post a picture of me with a trad bow saying this is my first trad kill and watch everything flip because it's that there's this like weird dichotomy that like you can't do that. And then it's like, okay, well maybe you can because it was with different equipment, but with you talking about people's opinions and all of that, like I think there's more to be said about, I mean, shit, I, uh, the antlers are over there, but I killed a, a, a four point, a spike with brow tines, which was the weirdest thing. Posted pictures of it. It was the first deer I ever killed on camera and I killed it. I, I was like, I don't want to shoot a spike. And you know, you carry all the video gear, all that stuff. This is the first deer that I had an opportunity to kill. And like, why am I carrying all this stuff out there? If I'm not going to like practice, like we said, like I'm going to pass on that one. Cause you know, nothing could go wrong with a, a camera or three cameras or four cameras and a bow. And you know, the deer gets a say too. Like you need practice doing it. So whatever the deer is, but I think like your family statement is like the same exact thing. Like sans platform is like, if your daughter was like so scared to do ballet or something, but you showed up at her ballet, like in a tutu and like all the stuff to give her the confidence to do it. And if people are shitting on you for that, then it's like, what is really more important? Like, I mean, I think that that shows more character, you know, taking those pictures with your kids, doing all the things. I I don't know. I would consider the, the right way, right. Then saying, well, you know, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to poach. I'm going to do all of these crazy things um, for the gram, right. For other people's opinion. I'm going to, you know, skip out on that same ballet recital that we were talking about to, to go hunting because I got a picture on my cell cam. Right. But one thing you did bring up, um, that you said, like you did, uh, launch a scent company and you would like to shoot the state record over it. Like you're kind of in an area with some shady taxidermy or some questionable values on that. I mean, I feel like, are we, is, are we going to see history repeat itself here? We just had a business meeting today. <laughs> so, so that's what it is. Like, are you, are you, uh, is that why you did the Rompola buck, uh, series? Because you wanted to see how everybody refuted it 
and you were like telling your taxidermist, all right, no droopy ears. These are the things like, <laughs> yeah, that we need to, to not do. T- take everybody's temperature. Well, just learn like the what not to do. Like they said it's fake because of all these things. So we definitely can't do that. Well, I don't think you can fake it after all that, right? I mean, especially nowadays, if you shot a giant deer, you better you better get it buttoned up real quick. Like as far as like probably should reach out to somebody at the DNR and have them come document this and that. And if I shot a just a just an absolute hammer where I was like, oh, there's gonna be some records involved in this probably one of the first things that I would try to do is get connected with a local CO and uh, just be like, Hey, I just want to nip this right in the butt. I shot this big deer and I feel like it's going to get a bunch of attention and I want to get on the record here right now as quickly as possible about the tag and everything, the legality of it. Right. And just get right ahead of it. I'm going to do all the opposite stuff Mitch Rampola did. Well, and I think there's a precedent for that now. Um, I, I haven't listened to any of the podcasts. Um, I I could have had the, I'm sure you could have, but like I could have had the guy on the podcast uh, with the Huff Buck, right? Like he killed it with a crossbow. I don't have any interest in the story uh, past that. Um, you know, shit on me if you want to, but it's not. I don't know. It's different um, to me, but that's what he did. You know, so he killed that, that big deer down in Indiana. Um, Everybody knew about the deer and he shot it and called the CO and said, Hey, I haven't even tracked the deer yet. Basically like, I want you to come and see everything's on the up and up, you know, it's within legal shooting hours. This is all the stuff. So, I mean, I think there is a precedent for that now, but to the other side of it, I mean, I could, probably pay somebody AI to like change your face to Joe Rogan's face and your voice to Joe Rogan's. And I could put this out as me and Joe Rogan did this podcast. So, I mean, the, the, the world we live in can get shady real quick, right? Yeah, no, it absolutely can. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. This is where I find myself. I mean, Mitch Rompola lives like a mile from my office, drive by his house every day. And he's just kind of this like fictional character out there in the general deer hunting world, but I drive by his house every day and th- obviously did the whole mini series thing on it and think about that often. And it's, yeah, I, I, I think that I know how I would handle a situation like that. And uh, for me, it would be a super emotional thing. I mean, I've been deer hunting for a long time now, like, what I just did the math uh, here recently. What twenty six? This will be my twenty sixth year of deer hunting. So I don't know. I feel like at some point in time you're gonna run into one, right? You gotta. So <laughs> I, I gotta ask because the listeners are saying like, "Hey, you gotta ask, right?" So you work in the trades and like you know you at least did do plumbing and, you know, we're kind of like in the service industry side of it, you know, doing house calls and stuff like that. Like you got to have a fucking card or like a door hanger or something. You can't just go up there and be like, Hey, you know, we were in the neighborhood and we're doing, uh, you know, rotor rooting septic tanks or just some bullshit to just knock on Mitch Rampola's door. You're like, you're not doing that. How, how have you not done that yet? 
Yeah, I've been thinking about that quite a bit. <laughs> just saying I have a service call and the address is a little screwed up. And is this so-and-so? And do you have this issue? To just knock on the door and get the conversation started, right? So, yeah, I know a lot of people have brought up. And I, I don't know that it's completely ruled out of the question to sit down and do a podcast with the guy, right? So, I will say this with the utmost confidence. If anybody's getting that guy in a podcast, it's going to be me. I, I like, feel, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out a way. I feel like he threw down the gauntlet. I mean, I think I just need to do my research now. I told you I'm good at networking. Yeah. I'm shit at business. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll take you over there with me. You can help plead my case. Yeah. I'll be like, it, it, he's... It, it, there was no ill intent. Like he, he believes he, right. he believes. And you know, we just need to, you know, set this, this story straight. Um, we're, 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 we're believers. <laughs> or you want to know what I'll, I will go over you there. Do you have a, like a black suit and like a really thin tie? Cause we just be Jehovah witnesses. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we can ride up on yeah, bikes. <laughs> I had to start answering the door to those people in my boxer shorts and asking them if they want to come have the conversation in my basement. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel they like said no when they leave. I feel like there's ways around it. I think, I think you can, you need to get the FaceTime. You're like, you need to, you need to figure out, pretend you're just like hunting out of state. Right. And you know, where does he eat breakfast? Right. You know, you just need to go to his diner and you know, where, how, you know, where does he get coffee? Yeah, you need to get that that going. But talking about like the scent company, I just got in the mail, ironically today, the uh, DH full spectrum scrape system. And I was kind of baiting you. I was hoping that you just kind of divulge all the information, right? Because going into a new area and from what you're posting online, um, it seems like you're getting into some pretty good deer, uh, rather quickly, um, you know, with this, uh, scrape system that you've, you've put out. And like I, like I say, you know, for me, shit at business, great at networking. And, and I look to you and I'm like, man, Kevin's doing all of these things like business minded, you know, put out, you know, a, a full film, you know, has a live podcast kind of thing going. Now we've got a a product that we're launching. I remember back when um, you guys were really working hard to do the like uh, recyclable, like Merino products and all that stuff, like just from like a, a very business minded uh, side of it. So with your product and the new move, new area, all that stuff, it looks like you're getting into deer. So how are you setting this up and like, where are you like targeting these deer with with uh, the mock scrapes and uh, the cameras and stuff. Sure. So I think it was <clears throat> on part one that hopefully people listen to, but we were talking about all the people in northern Michigan that just continue to bait, right? So I was I feel fortunate that I got to grow up as a young bow hunter over bait because <clears throat> I knew the distance of that bait. And I, I had something in front of me that I even felt a sense of encouragement that deer are going to come check this out, right? So uh, this happened over the course of the past five, six years. 
I had a couple friends come to me that had no experience hunting. They wanted to get into hunting. We also have young kids coming up right now. I've been doing this for a long time. It took, it was difficult for me to transition from sitting in a box blind or a preset location with a bait pile, knowing the known distance of that. And I guess knowing that the deer were going to stop there. Right. So like, <clears throat> as I graduated into doing the whole go hunt wherever and all over new spots and this and that, a lot of times is like, you got to make split second decisions and <clears throat> there can be a real rough learning curve there. I feel like hunting over bait for someone that's new at hunting or young, there's a lot of benefits to that. Right. And you can, you can graduate out of that, but it's nice to have that to learn off of. So I started thinking, I was like, dude, I need something to put out in front of these guys that the deer are going to, it's also really fun for a young new hunter or somebody that hasn't hunted a lot to watch deer. Like the deer doesn't just walk through and you see it for 26 seconds out of sitting for four hours, right? It's cool if that deer comes in and you get to watch it for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. That's cool. That's fun. So I was like, we need something. I need to figure out something that's legal that we can get deer to come to and stop potentially to have some time to assess what's going on. So it wasn't really bred out of the whole idea of like, I want to kill monster deer, right? Different foundation of thought process there, I feel like, on why, but also taking that into account, I love and have for a long time making scrapes and running video cameras over them and getting just big deer on them and looking at the patterns and going, dude, these patterns are super tight. This is pretty, pretty wild. When you boil it all down like yearly of how these deer will show up within a day and hours sometimes, it's just like, this is crazy. So I enjoy that angle of it too. But so I saw like a multi-purpose opportunity right there. Like here's a product that can help someone that's never shot a deer before or someone who's looking to kill a state record. And to me, I was, we started co really consciously working on this thing. And as of last year, <clears throat> We did a study, me and another guy ran cameras all over the state, side-by-side -side comparison to what we deemed to be the best option and product in the market space at this time from everything that we could find. And I mean, we went through everything for years and it was just like, this outperforms what we can, what we think is the best option. So I was like, all right, we really got something here and we need to do something with it. And so here we are this year. I mean, the move set me way back. I was hopeful to have like a May, June release, but unfortunately it got into September and I still wanted to get it available to people before deer season. And I knew I knew. 
well, I felt pretty confident that when we started to get the product out to people that they would be able to show results and capitalize on it real quick. Right. So I haven't had anybody send me a picture in yet of, Hey, I got this deer, but deer season has just opened up and we have dozens, if not hundreds already of trail camera photos pouring in and videos and testimonials like David Riley Jr., who's a pretty serious deer hunter, got his today. He took it. He went straight to the woods. He put. He sent me a picture. He had rubber gloves on. Nitrile black rubber gloves. And he's soaking down this vine and scrape thing that he has. And I, don't, I couldn't barely see the time stamp, but it was later in the afternoon he was in there. And before it was even dark that night, here's a buck, a nice buck on it, working it. And he's like, nice job, bud something along those lines and i was just like man yeah it's what i saw so i was a little bit concerned about putting this out to the masses and have people be like this is doesn't work it's garbage it's quote unquote snake oil because like i've said i feel like the scent industry in the whitetail space was marketed towards the uneducated versus the educated and i feel like we've developed a product and are trying to target the latter, the educated versus the uneducated. So I'm going to ask the hard question here um, because one of the things I think, like I say, from the, from the uneducated, right? The, I think David Riley could piss on a tree in the right spot and the deer is going to show up. And I think you could do the same thing and, I piss on a tree and bears and raccoons show up on my scrapes. So uh, I'm not in the right spot. So like, where is the right spot? I know part of your system is like, you need to find the deer. Um, and you, you need to place this in the right spot and it's going to, uh, be effective for you. But when you're setting, um, your mock scrapes up and where is your ideal spot, uh, for this, right? Sure. Well, <clears throat> to comment on what you said, I reached out to a lot of real serious deer hunters and told them I was doing this and that I wanted to send them this because I saw some pretty cool results, right? I've done all that. I've pissed all over the woods. I can tell you that this product is superior to that strategy for a couple different reasons. Um, so even for the most serious deer hunter, who's just like, man, I just want to be dialed up, right? Like T's crossed, eyes dotted, every little thing. Like I said, he's got nitrile gloves on, right? He's pretty freaking serious. I haven't put nitrile gloves on all season. Like I'm making all these scrapes and just being pretty reckless, right? I'm moving at a fast pace. David's out there like a surgeon. And you'll maybe notice and look at the packaging. Like, I kind of wanted to get away from some of the traditional marketing campaigns in the hunting industry and go with something that's like, this is pharmaceutical grade. We're looking to do something surgical here, not the bowling ball strategy. Um, the location matters immensely. It's, it's like real estate. 
was like a real estate investment or buying good real estate. Like the location is the first three most important things if you want to be able to capitalize on it. The products that are, I feel like telling you that they're going to bring the deer to you is just giving you a, a false sense of expectation and that like, wow, that's a bold statement to make. This product must be incredible because it's going to bring the deer to me. And I'm just trying to like cut through. I was such a, I was such a, a product of all those marketing campaigns. And we're in a little bit of a different generation right now. So I was like, <clears throat> no, it's not how it's going to work. If you really want to be successful, you got to go to them. You got to get the first part. It's a three. That's why we call the DH3 three-part system, right? Part two is the branch catalyst. Part, part three is the synthetic urine. But part one is the foundation. If you don't have a good foundation, you don't have anything. And that is recognizing where that deer is going to want to be. Oftentimes, you'll find a scrape there. If you don't, more often than not, it's because the licking branch, it doesn't exist. Well, guess what? It's not super difficult to get a little creative and quote unquote, install a licking branch, right? I carry some zip ties, some real light gauge stainless steel wire in my pack. I'm super neat about it, but putting a licking branch in a spot where one doesn't exist, where you know it would just be absolute fire because all the deer are exiting or entering a bedding area from here and there's not a licking branch, so there's not a scrape. Well, guess what? You put in a badass licking branch and make a mock scrape there and just light this thing up with branch catalysts and put some synthetic urine in it. And put a camera on it and the results are undeniable like it's just works like the deer are attracted to it they come to it they rub their face and nose all over it it's a you picked a spot <clears throat> if i'm trying to sell something do you want to be in a low traffic area or area that no one ever visits like what's your sales report going to look like if you're on Front Street, where thousands of people are walking through every day and you're trying to sell something, or you're out in a back road in Alaska, where no one has come down the road in a month, but you have a roadside stand with the best product ever, your sales report's not going to look very good. So that's the that's a real point that I'm trying to hammer home to people is like, you got to take the initiative to learn and figure out here. And there's a disclaimer on the bottle. If you open it up, I don't, I don't think it's on the package. I think it's on the bottle and it says this, this product does not care, kill deer. You do, you know, and on the website, the directions say like disclaimer, these directions will only work provided you are willing to. Because you have to put that in. So with that, I mean, you had said um, entering and exiting a bedding area. But for you, Kevin Vestison, if you were to say, okay, so a year or so ago, like you bought, brought out one of your buddies to deer camp and he killed his first deer, right? That guy maybe didn't really understand the woods, didn't understand what was going on. So 
he's like, man, this guy, Kevin, he's the greatest thing, you know, uh, stop. But, but you, you took this guy and you gave him an opportunity, uh, to kill his first deer. Um, he was out there, so he's going to support you and everything that you do. He buys your product and he's like, uh, really appreciate everything Kevin did for me, but I don't really know where to put this. And maybe he doesn't know what a bedding area looks like. So if you were to tell this guy, like, what is the first part of that, like of where to find, where to locate, how to figure out what it looks like in a place to place this to you. What is it that you're looking for? Well, it's very situational. I would answer worst that. podcast answer ever, ever situational. Well, no, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll dive. We'll dive. We'll, well, no, I'm not saying this is what I'm running. Another tool in the tool belt. It's another tool in the tool belt, Adam. Well, it's the boots. Like the, I got to start with my boots because those—that's the most important piece of gear. Like my boots are where it starts. <laughs> I would say to answer that, pay a little, do a little bit of scouting, and look and see where deer are making scrapes. And if you can find existing scrapes, then they're expediting your learning curve immensely let the deer tell you what they want to do, right? Like, I, I think probably the best or, you know, if you can find where deer are already making a scrape, that's where they want to be, right? So just hunt them there. You're not trying to make a, I don't think there's a too many situations where you can steer a deer off of its course that like they're usually focused in what they're doing and they have an objective. And I don't think they're going to veer. And if we're going to talk big deer, they're not going to veer five yards, 10 yards off their course to take a look at something. It's got to be right in and on where they are traveling. I don't think there's too many situations where they're like, hey, I'm going to exert some effort to go over here to check this out. Maybe bait's like the one exception, right? Like you could put bait basically anywhere and the deer are like, ah, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to do it, you know? But other than that, and especially mature deer, I don't just don't think that's the case. So I think that you got to kind of figure out what they're doing and then capitalize on that. And if you just pay attention to that, they'll kind of tell you where it needs to be. So. I mean, I guess, again, I'm always playing devil's advocate because I'm always looking at the guy that's like just stumbled upon us and he's saying like, okay, they're saying this is the best stuff. Um, and okay, so he said, just put it on an existing scrape. But I think for like a very rudimentary or like a a newer hunter, you're going to see those field edge scrapes. You're going to see those logging road scrapes. No and, boy, no. Yeah, but, but those are what, you know, those are the ones that are going to be like, got it, making a scrape right here. You know, you're going to find the ladder stand set up right there, right? So, okay, it, it looks a little bit different. I think, you know, it, it, you you'll get the pictures there at two in the morning, three in the morning, right? Right. Um, right. And now you need to figure out that information, but but a little bit more like how how are you how are you figuring out that 
Yeah. So it's got to be in a spot that the deer are comfortable moving in daylight, right? Unless you're going the old fashioned way with the spotlight, <laughs> you know, maybe you got the mini mag stabilizer. Do you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but mag light had like a attachment. You could screw it literally right into the end of your stabilizer. So I have an uncle who had a spotlight in a tree and a car battery underneath his permanent stand and the wire on his boot and just connect it all. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You understand where I'm getting at. (laughs) Yes. If you're not going to go that uh, direction, it's got to be in a spot that deer are going to be comfortable being in, in daylight. And I feel like that's an area that they can bed in and feel confident that no one's come in within, let's call it a hundred yard radius of them. It's pretty hard to get in on top of a deer in the fall with crunchy leaves and this and that if they're bedded within 100 yards of you, right? But it can be done. And you get into that area or say there's like a topographical feature that funnels between. This is the best. This is the best one. So say you can find two areas of denser cover that are different bedding areas and you can find a funnel in between them and you can hunt that during the rut and typically there's going to be a giant scrape and a bunch of rubs there right because during the rut these deer are bouncing back and forth through these bedding areas and i've found it left alone in on farms and pressured areas you seem like you have a pretty small window in the morning and in the afternoon, right? You get maybe an hour or two in the morning. And then honestly, the last, like it feels sometimes like the last 10 minutes of the day, but in bigger woods scenarios where the deer have expansive landscape and they're kind of left alone, unpressured, they'll move all day. Like they're doing things all day. They're like, I'm hungry. I'm going to get up and get some food. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm going to get up and get some water. Who's over here? Who's over there? And I see deer move, move all day. Right. So you can find like a topographical feature that kind of funnels those deer in between two areas that they're real comfortable. They're not going to walk through an open field in the middle of the day. I mean, that's just not. So look at the opposite of that. That's the best way to summarize it. What's the opposite of an open field in the middle of the day, right? Something that's thick where you can't get through it without something touching you, basically. And I feel like that's a good metric to look at, too. Like, if that deer can't be standing there and having something touching it or brushing against it, that's probably not the spot. But if you can find a spot within that that is has a little opened up patch where the deer can usually you're going to find scrapes and rubs and concentration of deer activity in there anyways but i'll also say i feel like flat ground tends to be valuable as i stated about this being a lot hillier over here it just seems like anytime there's a slope i have a harder time finding scrapes they they really love a nice flat spot man like So if you have a bunch of hilly topography and have like a bench or a saddle or like, I feel like that they, they really love those spots for scrapes. See, that's where we were going with this. That's where we're going with this. That's a, that's an excellent explanation. You should put that on the packaging. Um, 
like that, that to me, like for my listener is like gold, right? Cause the question that I, or I guess of the criticism that I get most often is, well, it's situational or like this is, you know, in they don't give, there's no specifics, right? It's just a generalized type. This is what's going on. And I think those scenario based things. And I think, you know, obviously you've been doing this for a long time. Like that's, that's spot on, but to the guy walking down the logging road and there's like scrape, 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 like, oh, this is a deer yeah. highway. Right. Like, this He's is, in this here. is great. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He was for 30 seconds at each one of these places. And now he's two miles away. Right. So from, from this, so there's, there's th- the three different things, right? So you got to locate them. You have the synthetic urine and the, the, the catalyst, the branch catalyst. What sets this apart from anything else that's out there? Okay. It's the education. I'm, I know you're not, it's not the answer that you want, but I'm going to just spend a little bit of time talking about that scrape that's in the middle of the logging road that you're never going to, if you set up on, you're never going to see that deer. But that's where the learning curve comes in important because one, now you know that that deer is there. And I will say this over and over again, there's no harder, hmm, there's nothing more difficult about hunting a mature deer here in Michigan than finding one. If you found one, you're probably in the 4%. Okay. So now, you know, you're like, dude, this is a giant deer. Okay. Let's start looking at some timestamps. Is it 2.30 in the morning? Is it 10.30 at night? Well, that's not super helpful. Right. They can cover a lot of ground pretty quickly. But if sunup's at 730 and that picture comes in at 658, you're like, okay, check. Let's look around. Where's that? That deer's not going far. Like that deer's bedding down here pretty quickly. So just low use it. And here's the value. And that's why that one might be the most important. Is because you can't, unless you're running a cell cam, which is the cheat code on this whole thing. It really is. But if you're not, and you're running an SD camera, you got to check that camera to get the intel to know what's going on, right? Well, that logging road, everybody walks down that logging road. You walking on that logging road isn't going to negatively impact that deer. But if you can take that information and process it and look a little couple steps further than what other people like you get to that big that giant scrape and it's there's rubs everywhere and there's like two guys in ladder stands fighting over sitting over it right and you're just thinking this isn't where i'm going because i know that that deer's not anywhere near around here it wouldn't bed here right but you know that that deer exists so for me I think that's really valuable to know and to look at and just go, okay, like I have a target here and something to work on and towards. And the more though, like you haven't negatively impacted that deer, you can then start to roll the dice and gamble versus like you put that right tight on the bedding area. You go in there one time during the season and pull that camera card 
and look at that and go, oh my God. Now you just like Dan Infault says you gave him the smack on the butt and said it's game on, right? You, it's really tough to get into their tight area, their core area, without making them nervous or relocate or letting them know that you're doing that. So I'll just say that there's value in that. And as far as what else makes the product, ask me that exactly again so I can answer it in, in better detail. I, I so I just wanted to know, like, what sets us apart? So for, for guys that are, like, uh, comparing, right? So they're saying, yes. okay, dollar for dollar, you know, the golden estrus costs this, uh, buck fever <laughs> costs <Nestrus>. this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you know the guys, right? So, yes. So, yes. So uh, golden buck, buck, buck fever costs this, uh, Tink 69 costs this, it's got gel, it's got everything. Uh, my favorite. Yeah was the still steaming that that was the that was the go-to um what do they call it i think there's a little debbie snack that they call that thing (laughs) so so what sets this apart so like if you're if you're looking at it from a a monetary standpoint right like sure sure i'm not telling anybody that they're gonna buy this and that it's gonna make them a better deer hunter. I'm telling you that if you utilize the system in its entirety, which part one is the education. And if you look back at our tagline for our podcast since day one, it's educate, entertain, evolve, right? So we have carried that through into this, uh, this product and I won't move away from that. So there's one, two, I've used everything on the market. Um, the, in my opinion, if you see a company that has a bunch of different products, post rut, pre rut, full moon, blue moon, red moon, it's probably the same product repackaged to have another skew to be profitable as a business model. And when I say that, start paying attention to that and look at that, and you're going to see that repeat itself. There's not a whole lot of, if any, difference there. It's the same product repackaged. But if I'm trying to move more product to be more profitable as a business, makes a bunch of sense right i'm not really interested in that like i said i've fallen victim to all of that maybe people and people will have their own opinions based on historical data and things experiences right like somebody bought the full rut you know still steaming cream pie semen and shot the giantest buck ever and they're like, dude, that's it. You got to get it. It 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 does everything right. You know, it brings the deer to you. So obviously, situational things and experience will definitely impact how you think about a product. But in my experience and from the research that I've done, I pay pay close 
attention to the scientific studies that they do on deer. And I just think that it really comes down to just having a general attractant put in an area that already deer are coming through and capitalizing on that versus having this sense of like, well, this is the latest and greatest. This is made for this time of year. And I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this out and increase my odds, right? I think the best thing you can do to increase your odds as a deer hunter is get educated. And then on top of that, if you want to hunt over scrapes, and then if you want to do that, figure out a product that you can put on scrapes that makes more deer want to come and visit them. I feel like that's the whole, you know, that that's the whole thing that basically brought me to this point. And I've used and spent a lot of time and spent a lot of money on, I'm telling you, every product, every product. And I think a lot of them are really fun and cool. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is go deer hunting and it should be fun and it should be cool. Right. But also, if you want to cut through a lot of that, I, I just feel that it's overcomplicated potentially at some points in time. And there's a lot to like choose from. And it doesn't, we, us, they, the people that have tried to potentially take advantage of this market for quite some time have leaned more towards like let's get the guy that really doesn't understand this versus let's get the guy that really understands this and i fell victim to that and this is my counter strike awesome well i'm excited to 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 check it out and get it out there in the woods i'll be getting this out there um on friday so uh, it's definitely in there um I know you're on like a little bit of a time constraint, so we're coming up against it. Where can people find this? Check it out if they got questions. And then, you know, obviously for everything that you're doing, where can people uh, catch up with you? Yeah, very good. I will conclude my last statement in saying, so I was alluding to us using all these different products and paying close attention. Last the last two years we consciously started working on something whereas like we think we found the best we we definitely hands down found the best available product on the market right like this works better than anything else and it's probably not a huge secret a lot of guys serious deer hunters were using this product because they all experienced the same thing but i saw mixed results and had some issues with and just thought I think there's an ability here to have a better product. And so we consciously started working on that. And last year we were like, okay, this is it. This is time. Like we're, we feel we, from what we can see on our cameras and fit and function start to finish, this is a better product. So I feel confident in saying what we developed is the best product that's available in the market space right now for anybody that wants to hunt in this capacity and 
frankly, I was nervous to make though that statement and then send it out to serious people and have them come back and say, come on, dude, <laughs> like, no, that's not the case. That's not what I saw. I'm going back to the thing that I used because of, and 100% right now from the testimonials that I've have come in, coming in are like just I had a guy send me a thing yesterday that said hey I bought your product to prove that you were full of shit because I don't believe in synthetic scent systems however I put this stuff out and here's the pictures over the course of the last night and congratulations you guys actually did uh, made a product that's worth buying and uh i wanted to send you some pictures and just say <laughs> and i just i looked at that and i was like oh my gosh that's great you know and so i the pictures are pouring in the videos are pouring in does young bucks mature bucks big deer it works exactly like how we saw that it would and if people want to take a look at the product, uh, it's a full spectrum, which means start to finish. We're not going to next year make a one that works for these two weeks and then one that works for these two weeks and then one that works for these two weeks so that we can have three SKUs and increase our profit margins. That'd probably be good for business, but it would be bad for our morality and how we and what we believe in. So we're not going to do that. So it's a full spectrum, start to finish. You can use it all season. Synthetic scrape system. It's DH3. So it's D-H-T-H-R-E-E.com. You can find it through DeerHunterPodcast.com. Also, we've been having a hard time kind of keeping up as we launched. You know, we're getting into season. People are really getting fired up. They're putting scrapes out. They're starting to hunt. Obviously, like I want to reiterate, if you have a young bow hunter and you can put something out 15, 12 yards in front of them and know that the deer are going to be caught, have their attention caught, walk to that. I feel like there's a lot of value. So I'm seeing that come in like, like hey, like the, like the idea of that point of view, like most great products are focused towards like make the biggest deer in the woods hunt. You get him pissed. He can't lay in his bed. He's got to come dominate the little different angle there on that so but uh yeah dh3.com deerhunterpodcast.com i've been posting a lot of stuff on my instagram guys that have sent videos and photos and i've been sharing a lot of that and i think people will see is like wow okay yeah like proof's in the pudding right you can talk all this talk and give me the lines and tell me this and that. But when, when you see the photo and video footage that's going to come in through this deer hunting season, I do believe that at the end of the hunting season, there will be some credibility towards this product moving forward. Hell yeah, man. So I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to uh, doing it. So if people want to like check out the podcast, check out any of the other stuff you're doing, like where's that at? So it's uh, onlyfans.com backslash deer you, backslash. You kind of cut out. Was it only fawns? Only fawns. <laughs> <laughs> what did we, God, we had a those only, only does. 
Thanks. Something along those lines. Yeah. Donly fans. I think that's what it <laughs> okay. was. Okay. All right. Donly don, fans. Yeah. Donlyfans.com. No, deerhunterpodcast.com. Uh, DH3.com. Deerhunter underscore podcast on Instagram. And I'm pretty active on the those on the social media platform. I'm trying to do better. I do have some video content. I have a short film that's going to release here pretty quick on YouTube. We're going to publish this on YouTube. So, yeah, man, October 1st is, I don't know. Well, I don't know when these will exactly go out. We're probably already past that now when people are listening right. to this. However, it's, it's deer season. I'm fired up, and uh, I appreciate you having me on here this evening. Yeah, not a problem. Anytime, and uh, can't wait to finally, at some point, share a hunt. We need to work on that. That's what we need That's, to really work on. So you're right. So maybe we do a maybe we do a late season like a muzzleloader type of deal. I, I'm in. I'm in. Just sign okay. me up. So deal. And and you'll love my muzzleloader because it's a break action shotgun uh, muzzleloader. So. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Kevin. I know you got to get in. Thank you, Adam.